I want to do is I want to get to something that's even more important because if it wasn't for this, I, the Lord wouldn't be moving us to the stage where we're going now. And, and that part is His Word. So we're, we've been talking about in this series called The Process. And we know that everything that we do is a process. Anywhere from getting dressed in the morning, right? Some people may put their socks on first in the morning. I don't know. Some people may put their shirt on first in the morning. I, I don't know. But the reality is that when we're finished, we're completely dressed, right? So, so, so even down to cooking, when you mix your ingredients, you get, you gather your ingredients, you begin to mix them, you cook your meat, you bring it, bring it to a boil. Man, did I say that one right this morning? Uh, boil. <laughs> I didn't say it southern. I didn't say boil. But anyways, there is a process to everything that we do. There's a process to driving. So when we think about the processes, we got to learn that there is a process in our relationship, in our fellowship with God. There's a process into everything that God has called us to. So our subtitle or part four of this series is going to be called uh, Bearing Fruit. And we've, we've talked about anywhere from dying, as in placing the seed in the ground, to the point that where we will begin to consume, we become hungry and we become thirsting for the righteousness of God. And, and, and then, you know, we become rooted. And where we place our roots is very important. So location, location, location. We hear so many real estate agents or real estate brokers talking about location, location, location. Where you buy out, where you plant your roots uh, is important. You know, so... So, so I, I go back and look at all of the process that God has done through my life and in my life and, and where He's brought us to, uh, even with us not taking the advice of wise men and women when me and my wife got married, hey, you don't know each other, why don't you give it some time? But the reality is if we would have really got to know each other, we probably would not be married right now. Uh, but that I don't know. Uh, that's, that, that's not for me to say, but the reality is, is that, hey, we're, you know, we just hit 25 years of dating um, earlier this week. Was it Monday or Tuesday, baby, on the 17th? And come December, will be 25 years of marriage. So it didn't take us long. Y'all that are here, you know the story. Those of you online, if you don't know the story, get with me and we'll tell you about the story. Uh, but the process that's taken place, you know, and so, so the roots is very important because once it begins to absorb, once it begins to take in... Uh, the word of God once that that seed becomes hungry, and it wants the righteousness of God, and so and that's us as we begin to uh, partake of the righteousness of God, we begin to set root, and that root where we plant at is very important. So it's even even all the way down to the point about where we go to church at. So because the book of Psalms, it says those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. So that means we, we've got to be planted in the house of the Lord. And that's not always necessarily a build in, but we, we, it's very important that we are involved in a ministry. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, it was even a process for us starting the church. You know, we knew that we were called to be pastors and to start a church. But what did we continue to do? We we were in a church somewhere. We were not just at home, just having Bible studies on our own. Not until the Lord said, hey, okay, move forward. So it was about June of last year when we started moving and um, when we kind of became separated out of the church that we were in, uh, that the Lord had placed us for a short season. Um, and we, we planted roots right here. Anyway, so, so I, I want to get on into this because I'm already burning up some time here this morning. And I, I, I have a tendency to lose track of time. So we're going to go back to our flagship scripture that we have been using for the duration of this series. And it's Psalms 37 verse 23 through 25. And the main focus here is going to be verse 23 is this the lord directs the steps of the godly so so we we already understand what this means so so that everything that we're doing has been planned has been ordained by god and i'm not talking about us making bad decisions i'm not talking about us walking away from god 
I'm talking about everything that we are doing in God. God, oh, he, oh, he knows everything from the beginning to the end. But the reality is, is, is that when we walk in the righteousness of God, when we walk as God has directed us, everything has already been orchestrated. So, so I sit back and I look at the process of how God has has blessed the finances of this ministry and everything that he's putting into order is that i know this is him there's no longer a question of lord is this you lord are we really supposed to be in a building lord are we supposed to be in this area are we supposed to be moving forward yet since i i, I walked in the obedience of hey go find a building now the building didn't just fall in my lap I had to go out and I had to pursue it. I had to do just like Joshua did. He had to go out and he had to seize the land. But the promise was this. When you put your foot there, it's yours. I've promised it to you. So that was exactly, that's exactly what we as the church, me as the pastors had to do is I've had to go out and to proclaim the area that God has called us to. So, so uh, I'm going to touch my notes here for, for just a minute because I'm notorious for that. So as we have rehearsed the facts of this declaration, because we've, this is the fourth week we've talked about this. We've talked about the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Uh, we must, however, fall back that this promise is for those who walk in the righteousness of God. This isn't for somebody that just wants to uh, quote unquote say scripture these are this isn't for the people that's living like the devil all week long and then i get into church oh lord you're directing my path and then i'm out doing whatever i want to do again the next day uh, uh being a christian and being a servant of god is not just a sunday act because when we think about the word act, that was what exactly what Jesus called the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You see, it was sad, you see. Mm. That was good. That was good. I've used that one before, but you can't never overuse that one. So I'll just hold on to that one again. We'll put that one back in my back pocket again. But... But that was exactly what Jesus called him. He called them hypocrites. And the word hypocrite in the Greek means to be an actor, someone who plays a plays a different person in a in a in a play. So so we, we, we see that all the time that people are trying to be somebody that they're not. But but these promises are for those that are walking in the righteousness of God. Not self-righteousness, but God's righteousness. Uh, this promise is not for those who are half-heartedly serving God. As we have read that this is the basis of those who that willingly lay down their lives in hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. You know, David said, uh, David said, he continued this in Psalms 139, verse 16. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, you saw me before I was born. Can we even imagine that? I mean, it's hard for us to even imagine that because the reality is, is when my wife became pregnant with our youngest daughter, it was like, Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, your belly's growing, and mine, mine was growing at the time, too. And it stopped growing now. <laughs> but it was still hard to imagine what she was going to be if it was a him or a her. And there were so many unknowns to this. You see, but God knows the beginning to the end or for those that are sitting here from the beginning to the end he knows everything that's going to take place and he has never been caught by surprise he has never been caught off guard and David had this revelation and if we could capture this same revelation in understanding the process is that is that God saw us before we were born you, you know he, he he had so many plans for us you know David even continued and I don't have it here but David continued in Psalms 139 I believe maybe it's verse 18 and he said Lord your thoughts for me your thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand you know and we've talked about this before if we take a one cubit foot box 
one foot by one foot by one foot, there's approximately one billion grains of sand in there. But, but the thoughts that God has for us outnumbers all of the grains of sand. I mean, it's hard for us to even fathom a one by one by one. But when we think about the number of a billion, how much more that God has thought about us that he has has plans for us you know and as we you know we sung that song and i know that we heard that song at a funeral this week because it was a song that the young girl was oftentimes heard humming to but when we think about it lord i give myself away you know all of my dreams all of my plans uh, they're 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 no good no more they are your dream my dreams are now your dreams my plans are now your plans so i've kind of used the example you know that my trade you know that i get paid by is being a land surveyor for so many years i wanted to get licensed but when i gave myself away when i gave god my dream and I begin to take on his dreams. Now God says, hey, you're going to start a church. And I, I, I wasn't quite ready for that at the time. But the reality is, is, is look where we are right now. And look how far God has already brought us. And, and for those that are sitting or viewing us online, those that are listening to us, excuse me, God has a plan for your life. And, and every day... He has seen it before you were ever born. And, and again, it's hard for us to think about this. So we continue this verse here. And he said, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Everything that God has ordained for your life. Every step, as we go back to our Psalms 37, 23, that the Lord directs the step of the righteousness. Now, here's no surprise that David wrote the book of Psalms chapter 37, but he also wrote Psalms chapter 139. So, so... So David is still sitting here in this same revelation. He's still seeing these very same things. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And, and you know, to the world, uh, to the world standards, that, that, that sounds like an oxymoron. What is an oxymoron? It sounds like something, it's like two things that are said that are the opposite. They don't, they don't make sense, if I could just really say it that way. So isn't it very exciting to know that God wrote a book about your life? I mean, it makes me exciting. You know, because, you know, John F. Kennedy, he, he had a, a book wrote about his life, right? You know, people, these are called biographies. You know, Michael Jordan had a book wrote about his life. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know anybody famous other than Jesus Christ. So, but we look at it, Jesus had a letter or a book wrote about his life. And, and it was root from the beginning to the end. Everything that we see in here is revolved around that. And you can't just make this stuff up. So, but now the question comes, are you narrating your own book? Or has your plans, has your dreams overtaken what God has wanted for your life? You know, it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how young we are. We look back at, at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was fit by around, they, the scholars say he was around 15 years old when he began to prophesy and became the voice of God. And, you know, and Jeremiah even spoke to the Lord and he said, Lord, I am such a young age. You know, I'm 15 years old. Nobody's going to hear what this young person has to say. And a lot of people will scold uh, younger pastors or younger ministers because they, they just see them at that point or at that age but but the Lord was was very uh, he was to the point he spoke to Jeremiah and he said he said if you will open your mouth he said I will put my words in them if you will open your mouth you know and so oftentimes I think back to even when I begin I begin back preaching I don't know because I started preaching again on YouTube about three years ago or on my, uh, yeah YouTube and and it was like, Lord, I don't even remember how to do this no more. I, I, don't, I, don't, I know how to read your word, but I've forgotten how to study. I've forgotten how to dig into your word. I forgot 
how to to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say, how He's leading me and guiding me, but but continuing to pursue, continuing to pursue. You know, my mind goes back to Paul. What did Paul tell Timothy? He said, "Stir up, stir up the gift that's in you." So it's like you know, it's like this. You you never forget how to ride a bicycle, unless you never learned how to ride a bike to start with. And, and I'm not pointing the fingers at nobody here that they can't ride a bike, but <laughs> but what I'm saying is this, is once you know how to do it, once it's been gifted to you, you don't forget. It's just like mom may not make homemade tortillas no more, but you know what? You know what's inside of her? She still knows how to do it. She just don't want to do it. And I'm not saying anything about, hey, I want you to make some, because I like these tortilla lands as well. They're really good. Uh, can't you tell? They're really good, even though I don't eat a lot. But, but, but once that gift's in us, we don't forget how to operate in it. We just have to stir it up, and we have to get back on the bike. And we may fall, but you know what? When we go back to our scripture, he says that we may stumble, but we won't what? We won't fall. We may stumble, but we won't fall. God is not going to let us fall. He's not going to let us be embarrassed. If I could just really say it that way. So, so are we making our lives look like the way we want it to? Are we altering or are we compromising the plan and the process of God getting us to where He has called or where He's destined us to? Are we compromising that? I'm guilty. I'm guilty on that on so many different occasions throughout my life. But my, my goal is to, what, what did we preach? What was our last series? Talking about adjusting our sights. Our aim is to what? Is to be pleasing to God. So if we will follow the process that we have been talking about these last few weeks, then we will see God's plan unfold. Why is that? Because God's Word cannot what? It cannot lie. It, it, it cannot lie, you know, and I, uh, I'm, I'm swift to remind God of His Word. I'm swift to remind Him, Lord, Your Word says this. Lord, Your Word says, and I've quoted so many times, Psalms 37, you know, uh, verse uh, 25, you know, Lord, that, that, that the righteous have never been forsaken. You've never walked away from those that are living and walking in what you've called them. You've never forsaken them. You've not left them stranded. You've not left them alone. And Lord, and I even remind you again what you said, that neither does their seed beg for bread. So, so not my seed, my offspring, my kids, my kids become the beneficiary of my walk with God. Uh, the, the flock there at the church becomes the beneficiary of, of, of my relationship with God. And, and, and it does the very same thing for each one of us as well. So, so the part of this unfolding, the part that we want to talk about now, that the next part of process, man, it took me a little while to get to that point. It only took me 20 minutes to get to where we're going here today. But everything that we've had to say this morning, we, as in me, as the Holy Spirit and me, should I say it that way? Because He's the one that gets the credit. I'm just opening my mouth. So the part that we that's going to be unfolding is bearing fruit. Follow me over to Mark chapter 4, verses 3. Three through nine again. We touched on this a little bit last week. And Jesus was telling a parable. And again, remember, remember this parable right here as we continue to read on. Jesus said that if you don't get this parable, that if you don't get this, if you don't get understanding, if you don't get revelation in this parable, he said, none of the other ones are going to make any sense to you. So here's what Jesus said. He said, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered his seed across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun and since it did not have or didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. 
Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was what? 30, 60, and even what? A hundred times as much as he planted. Then he said, anyone who hears, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And, and we talked about the location, location, location last week about where we allow the seed, the seed that God is planting in our heart as this seed fell on something that's rocking. I don't want to get back into last week's message uh, and you know we'll place a link uh, at the end of this YouTube that you can go back and view the whole series again or you could just go to part three. But the location is important. So again, we're seeing another factor about location here about where the seed is going to be planted. And, and this seed right here said that it fell on what? Fell on what? Fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much. But but we all know we've we've been farmers before. So let me touch back on my notes here for just a moment. So as we have read and spoken by inspiration of the Holy Spirit concerning placement of the seeds, we have placed emphasis with concern that the seed planted in the wrong places will not produce a harvest. We all know that. That's just that's simple math. That's simple knowledge there. The condition of our soul is where is where uh, is where is the dictation of how much we will produce. So it also is the condition of our soil. It's not just about the placement, but it becomes the condition of our soil. So oftentimes we are shorted of the fullness because we fail to check or put in check the conditions of our heart. Let me read that again. Oftentimes we are shorted. So if, if it's a hundredfold, that means it's a hundred times. But if we get 60 and 30, I don't know about you, but that's simple math. That that's less than a hundred, right? So oftentimes we are shorted. So the seed becomes shorted of its harvest because of this. Because we fail to check or to put in check the conditions of our soil. In this case, it would be the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart. So generally before seeds are planted, the soil must be cultivated. And cultivate simply means to prepare for use. If soil is cultivated, it is prepared for the use in the sense of being fertilized and broken up. This is the process of preparing for the crop. And this preparation is key to what is the harvest. And Jesus said the harvest will be 30, 60, and, or 100. So Jesus equated good and fertile soil as one who hears and accepts. So he says it will produce a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. Then, then he said... Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So, so when I got into the ESV version, it, it read it in that way, is that, is that fertile ground or fertile soil is one who hears and accepts. So, so oftentimes we, we hear something, we may hear the Holy Spirit speak something to us, but it might not be what we want to hear. You know, Paul said in the book of Timothy, he said, he said that the days are coming, the day of apostasy, when the day of apostasy is here, which day is that? The apostasy, excuse me, simply means the falling away. The, the, those that once followed Christ, but now they're falling away. And, so, and that means that's in a great number of people. But he said the time's going to come when people are going to have itching ears. Well, what do you mean? Well, he said that, he said that they're not going to listen when you don't have things to say that they don't want to hear. 
Yeah, we saw this all throughout Scripture, but how many times or how often or how many of us know this? The pastor doesn't preach what we want to hear. He preaches what we need to hear. And it's not so much that it's the pastor, but it's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has that same token that He's going to speak the things that we need to hear and not always what we want to hear. You know, so, uh, I, I'm like this, and I'll say this. I've said this to people before. If you don't want to know the truth, then don't ask me. If you don't know, if you don't want to know what the reality is, don't ask what my opinion is because I don't have an opinion. I'm going to give you what the Word of God says, you know, and I've had people, no, no, I just want your opinion. I, I don't have an opinion because my opinion is what? It's gonna it's gonna quickly fall to the ground. It's never gonna produce anything. So, so, um, so, so in this question here is about one who hears and accepts. The question is really this: Who is speaking, and what are we hearing? So, wh who is speaking? You know. So we we knew Jesus was speaking this, but I, what I want to do is I want to go a little bit deeper. So follow me to John chapter 16 verses 5 through 15. Yeah, we got 10 verses to read here and that's okay. We'll do real good real fast. But now, here's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. Well, who sent him? The Father sent him. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It was so hard for them to realize that, to understand that Jesus had to go away. Jesus had to go away because if he didn't go away, he couldn't send what? He could not send the other. So follow me here. He said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate. Okay, so what does the word advocate mean? The, adv the word advocate in the Greek is the word parakletos or paraclete. And that just, that just simply means a counselor, a helper. Uh, it comes from like the terminology of being a lawyer, one that not just takes your side, but one that's pleading your case, one that is listening, one that is so involved in everything that you're doing. And as we read in some version, it said Jesus said that it's the alos paracletos. Alos means another. And it doesn't just mean, hey, go get me a water bottle. I might, I might specifically want a deer park. I might specifically want a deer park water instead of a member's mark water because there is a little difference in the taste. But the reality is, is if I just say go get me another water, well, what are you going to do? You're going to grab the first one you see. You're just going to bring me another water. But what Jesus was doing was he was making this specific that I'm going to send you another. And that word alos, for, there's two words for alos, for other. And the one that he used was alos. And alos means another of the same kind. So I want you to go grab me another deer park water. I had to say it a little bit slower that time to make sure I didn't say park. I remember that one time I went through the drive-thru and I said, I want this and that and I want some flint flies. And Kaylee looked at me, she's like, flint flies? What's a flint fly, daddy? <laughs> I guess I forgot to put the F in the front, French fry. I guess that's what happened when you get when you really are southern and you begin to to draw your words a little bit more you draw them out um, but anyways he, but Jesus finished this in verse 7 he said but in fact it's best for you that I go away because if I don't the advocate won't come but if I go away then I will send him and when he comes he will do what he will convict the world of its sins. I want you to follow this now because, man, we're really getting somewhere now. He would convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You see these three things right here that Jesus was so swift to point out that this, these are going to be these are going to be his primary roles. These are going to be some of the things that he's doing. And by the time we get to the end of this message here today, it, it's going to be so profound. It's going to be in big, bold letters, not not on a slideshow, but the Holy Spirit is going to show you big, bold letters. Verse nine, it said the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Verse 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. 
verse 11 reads this, Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So again, now we're beginning to see another role, another characteristic of what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He will not speak of his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Here's another role. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. There's another characteristic. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So we can plainly see that the Holy Spirit will be the one who will be speaking God's heart every single time everything that the Holy Spirit has to say is coming is coming straight from the throne room well how do you know that because Jesus said that, that once he ascended he said I'm gonna I'm gonna go sit at the right hand of the father well where's the father sitting at he's sitting on his throne he's sitting high and he's looking low on us so so Jesus is sitting right next to him and what did Jesus even said that he was gonna do that he was gonna be pleading our case constantly with God God please give him another chance please give them another chance Lord I know I know that they did wrong but you know what Lord my blood my blood what I've done Lord what I have done what I have done will cover the multitude of sins the what he will be speaking is conviction of sin righteousness and judgment so let's look back in that very same chapter. John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Read with me here. I know i got some scripture, but would y'all expect anything less from me? He's, here's what he says. He said, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. I want you to follow the key to that, that it refuses to, I should have underlined that word, believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. So the first thing that Jesus mentioned is that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe. They refuse to believe. That is the first sin that the Holy Spirit is here to deal with. So, so what, what can we learn about the word believe? Follow me to John chapter 3, verse 36. Very simple here. And anyone who, now look at the contrast here. Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remain under God's angry judgment. So we can see here that, that believe is synonymous with obey. So when we begin to see in Scripture the word obey or the word believe, it becomes synonymous with to obey. We've talked about this in previous uh, we've actually been speaking about this throughout the year in, in, in different series. So so this is this is exactly what, what happened. He said he said what happens here is that the world the world sin is that they refuse to believe in me. So what so when they refuse to believe, they refuse to do what? Obey. They refuse to obey him. So this is the first sin that the Holy Spirit deals with. Hey, hey. Did, haven't I told you already? And we talked about this earlier. How many times do we have to be reminded, hey, read God's word. Get in his heart. I, I, I need you to separate yourself. I need you to be in the word. I need you to push the plate away. I, I need you to go and be a part of this ministry. I need you to pay your tithe. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It reminds me that the Lord spoke to me a while back and he said, I need you to believe me for more. I need you to obey me in the more. The more that I'm calling you to is the more obedience is requiring from you. Man, we're getting somewhere here today. Thank you, Jesus. So here we can see that the word believe is synonymous with obey. Let's go to the second thing. Secondly, Jesus said that righteousness becomes available because I go to the Father. Jesus could not go to the Father unless He fulfilled His purpose because we all know this. What did we read this morning? Talking about Jesus, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but Lord, not my will, 
but your will be done. And this was God's will was that he came and that he would have to drink of this cup of suffering, that he would have to bear the sin, the world's sins on his shoulder and on his back just so that we could be made righteous with God. So Jesus could not go to the Father unless He fulfilled His purpose and that He carried the weight of sin and laid down His life willingly for us so that we could have communion with God. Now righteousness becomes available to every person. So, so, so that's another thing that the Holy Spirit is doing is, is that is it's urging you that because of what Jesus Christ has done, you now, you now have an open door to have a relationship with God. Follow me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And all of this is a gift from God. Amen. Amen. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. So he's, Paul's, uh, Paul's pointing out that because of what Jesus Christ did, we've been brought back to Christ, uh, brought back to God uh, through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for God when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. These are the words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, the second letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth. And, and he wanted to keep them reminded that, that because of what Jesus did, we have now been made right. So, so we are what? We are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It's not by anything that we've done. It's not about any good work that we've done that we are able to become saved. So it's all through Him, it's all through the blood that He shed that we can now have that relationship with God. So another thing that He's calling us to here is through disobedience. I mean, I'm getting somewhere. Thirdly, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 11. Judgment will, be, will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So who's the ruler of this world? Satan himself, you know, the adversary. He, he, walking like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know, and so many times, he, he, you know, just like he said, Lord, uh, how about Job? Or, you know, Jesus, well, God said, how have you considered my servant Job? You know, and, and oftentimes I, I, I think back to, you know, that God would even say to Satan himself, have you considered my servant James? You know, have you, you know, you can do anything you want, but you can't take his life and you know and and in so many different scenarios that's been me that's been you it's been those that are that are viewing us online those that are listening to us via podcast that that's been you that satan has come to try to devour you but we all know that satan is like a royal lion didn't say he was a lion because jesus christ is who he is the lion of judah and and, and so satan is just trying to mimic who jesus christ is and and so, so with all of this being said, is that Satan has no power unless power has been given to him. And he's been given power for such a short season. And, and, and so he can't do anything unless he's been given permission. So Satan himself, and we all know that Satan has rejected the Lordship of God, right? If you don't know this, Satan was an angel. And he was in charge of the music. So, 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 how is it not so significant that music just really has that tendency to change our mood? It has that tendency to usher us into the presence of God. But if we also think about it, when music's used the wrong way, it can also push us into other things. It can push us into rage. It can push us into hatred. It can push us into lust. Let's just be real upfront about that. We've all listen to secular music 
music, music in times past, and it's caused us to feel a certain type of way. Maybe it might have been a hatred towards somebody. Maybe it was about, oh, I'm so in love. But there's really no love outside of who? You know who? Outside of God. Because God doesn't have love. God is love. And we can never experience what true love is outside of G-O-D. Spelling bee this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. But we know that Satan has rejected the Lordship of God and he was the angel that was in charge of ushering the presence of God. And so and what happens here is that Satan, 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 Satan had a thought that he could be just like God. And, and if it was a thought that caused him to automatically get the judgment of God upon himself, what makes us think that we're any differently? That what can make us think that just even our thoughts, having the wrong thoughts, can push us to that? Because it, it begins where? You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it begins on the inside. Evil will begin on the inside. Satan had that thought that he could be like God. So there, since from then, he rejected the lordship of God. So now follow me over to John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Maybe I should have put chapter, but verse 16 in there because we all know that one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe, again this word believe, obey, would not perish but have everlasting life. But then Jesus picked up right here because this is what He was speaking to Nicodemus. He said, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but, the, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against the, anyone who what? Believes. Believes in Him. So when we replace that word believe with obey, oh, this is beginning to make a little more sense here. So there is no judgment against anyone who obeys Him. But anyone who does not obey or who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Or are we beginning to see that the focus here of believing is equivalent or synonymous to obey? And, and it goes on in verse 19, it said, And the judgment, and the judgment is based on this fact. Listen to this. God's light came into the world. The sun. Excuse me. But, but people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear, excuse me, no, I'm belching, but for fear that their sins will be exposed because light does what? It exposes things, right? We've all done, we've all seen this before. You've walked into maybe a nasty kitchen or, or just, just something maybe where roaches are at. And you go in there in the dark and you turn on the light, what happens? Boom! I've opened up manhole lids before where there's cockroaches in there. You flip open the lid and the very first thing they do is they begin to scatter because they don't want to be seen. They know that they're nasty. They know that they dwell off of nastiness. And that I ain't saying nobody's nasty. If we have a if we have a roach problem, then hey, you spray traps. Uh, there's things of dealing with that, and there's same same instances. God has way of dealing with our nastiness. But but what happens here is it says that they they fear for their sin will be exposed. Verse 20, uh, 21. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So what we see here is exactly what we've been talking about here. Is that is that those that walk in God's righteousness their steps have been ordained. And, and we're seeing this all through Scripture. We just took this from the New Testament to the Old Testament, right back to the New Testament to right now here in my testimony where we're sitting at right now. So the sum of three, these three facts, what was these three facts? It was, we talked about, we talked about that he would bring conviction of the world's sins. The world's sin is what? Is that they don't obey. 
And it says that, that, that we have, we've been made righteousness because of what God has done, because of what Jesus has done through the cross. So what did Jesus do? Jesus was obedient, right? So we're seeing the word obey. Now we're seeing obedient, which is still the root word obey. And so now we, we come to um, the last part of the last part of this. Man, where did I leave off at? And 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 then the last part. Oh, what was that last part? Oh, help me out here, Lord. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Well, why was he judged? Because of his disobedience. So, so we're seeing these three factors that the Holy Spirit is so swiftly pointing out. And I'm sorry if I confused anybody on that. But the three factors that Jesus is simply pointing out here is that by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is this, obedience. Obedience. So this obedience, this obedience becomes the good ground that God wants in our life that He's called us to. So it's important that that no matter how we may perceive it, no matter how people may view us, because we've talked about this in times past, when somebody's laying in a casket, they're dead, and they don't care how people see them. Are we dead to self? Are we at the point where, God, my plans are now your plans. I don't care how I look no more to people. So as we do a full circle about this message of the seed falling into good soil, it is the basis of one who hears and accepts the truth. So, so simply it's that, those that choose to walk in obedience. Those that choose to walk in obedience, that is what makes our soil fertile. That's what puts that, that's, that's, that the, the more that we walk in obedience, the more that we're going to see moving from the 30 to the 60. And then Jesus just didn't double it no more. He added more on it. And not only did he multiply, but he did an addition on top of the multiplication. So we saw this come true in our fundraiser that, God, I need X amount of money, but Lord, I'm believing you for this. But then God, he doubled what we needed from the very beginning, plus a little bit more. So, so you are the deciding factor of the percentage of your harvest. Each one of us here. Our obedience is the deciding factor of the percentage of our harvest. So if we if we want more, if we want way more, if I put one seed in there, well, what's a hundred times that? What's a hundred times one? Hundred. So I put one seed in there and I get back a hundred seeds. If I get the harvest of a of hundred, then that means I've got so much more. I a hundred times profit of what I put in. But but you got to start at the beginning. We got to realize that we've got to die. We've got to die and to be placed in it. It doesn't matter how young we are. It doesn't matter how old we are. We go back to this, you know, that Jeremiah was around 15 years old. Now I'm going to fast forward in, into 1950 or something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. Maybe I'm off a little bit. But Smith Wigglesworth, anybody ever heard the name of Smith Wigglesworth? He raised people from the dead. He'd lay hands on them. He'd pray for people and they'd come back alive. Now we're not seeing that this day, but you know what the you know what the reality is is the Lord called him to this. So you're looking at, man, he was a very devout Christian. He he was he was seeking you from the time that he could read and write all the way through his whole life. But the reality is, is Smith Wigglesworth did not begin his ministry until he was in his fifties. So there's, there's not an age. It's just when we decide to be obedient to what God has called us to, it doesn't matter of our age. So as we've spoken about in previous series or in our previous series about adjusting our sight, we make it our aim to be pleasing to the Lord. If we're missing the target, then we've got to change what we're aiming at. We've got to change how we're aiming at it. And knowing that our aim is to please God, and God is pleased when we fully surrender uh, to the harvest that He has called us to. This is the everything that God's called us to. He's, he's called us to obedience. 
He's called us to obedience. And remember, Jesus said that if you don't get this parable, then none of the other ones are going to make any sense to you. They're, they're, they're not going to be, you're not going to get the fullness. You're, not, you're only going to get the 30%. You're only going to get the 60%. But God has called us to 100. He's called us to 100. He's called us to 100. And so, so why would we want to give Him any less? He's given us everything. He's given us everything. So I want to leave you with this question today as we're closing right now. What are you, or where are you in the process? Where are you in this process? Are you still trying to die? Are, are you having a real hard problem being placed in a position where you've got to die? But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to be real with you. Nobody can do this for you. This is what you have to do. You've got to decide, Lord, that I give myself away. I give myself away. When, it, when it's no longer about us and it becomes about Him, the process is then going to begin. That's when it's going to begin. What part of the process are you in? What part of the process are you even stuck in? But that's only something that you can answer. I could pray with you today. I could pray with you. I could lay my hands on you. But the reality, here's the reality at. It, it, here's where it's at. Is at the end of the day, it's your decision. It's your choice. It's what you surrender to God. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, as some of us, Lord, may sit here and if we're just real honest with ourselves, Lord, because you already know, that just as David said in Psalms 139, Lord, that you know the beginning from the end. Every day of my life was written before I had lived one day. Lord, and if you, if you know everything that you've called us to, Lord, then you know everything that we're thinking about, Lord. And if we would just be real with ourselves, Lord, some of us, Lord, are stuck. We're stuck in a process. And some of us may be stuck in the beginning. Some of us may be stuck in the end. But the reality, Lord, is that even if we have made it through the point, Lord, you made it known, Lord, that, that, 30, that you've called us to more than 30% because you are no respecter of a person. Lord, you've called us all to 100 but Lord, some of us are stuck here today. Some of us are stuck in this process. But Lord, today, Lord, as I say to not just myself, but Lord, I make it public, Lord, that I'm giving myself away to you. I'm giving myself, Lord, to be used by your kingdom. Lord, as I were just remembering my heart, Lord, that I was praying earlier this week while I was riding, I said, Lord, my heart is so heavy for so many people that I come across, Lord, that is one day going to burn in hell. That they're going to burn in hell because they have refused to accept you. And Lord, and then you so very quietly asked me a question. And you asked me, you said, what are you doing about it? And Lord, and that question just really hits home to me. Maybe it's a word that I need to speak to somebody. Maybe it's an action or a gesture that I need to display for someone. But Lord, you've called each one of us to be salt and to be light. So Lord, today we ask, Lord, to help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, that as we hunger for You, Lord, that we will move on to the next part of this process, Lord. That, Lord, that You would help us to get through the parts, Lord, that we are having such a difficult time with. But, Lord, that as You have given us Your reassurance, Lord, Lord, that we may stumble but we will not fall. Lord, if we would just take that step of faith, Lord, and that we will step out onto what you've called us to, that that part of the process, Lord, is going to begin to happen in our life, Lord. We just thank you today, Lord. We thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we part ways today, Lord. Those that are viewing us online, those that are listening to us via podcast, Lord, I pray that you would be with them, Lord, and everything that I've asked, Lord, has been for them as well. So, Lord, we just thank you. We pray you and we thank you for your presence lord and we thank you for your heart we ask all of this in the name of jesus christ lord amen and amen